This is the Revenue with Real Estate podcast, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. Are you ready to talk some real estate investing? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. I am your host, Doug Myers. Thank you for joining me and for sharing your time with our growing podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in and appreciate you for taking the time to learn from our wonderful guests, of which on this episode, I have one of my favorite people in the world who's joining me. She's been on a previous podcast that I've done as well alongside of her husband, who unfortunately couldn't join us for this episode. But nonetheless, this was a great conversation and just one of my favorite people to talk to. That's right. I'm speaking with Deanna Boyden. Deanna is a real estate investor based in Calgary, Alberta, and alongside her husband, who I mentioned earlier, Darcy. The two have built a real estate investing business over the years using pretty much every investment strategy in the book, including buy and holds, flip to yourself, agreements for sales, rent to owns, joint ventures, land development, syndicated mortgages, private lending, purchases of short sales and courthouse auctions. Yeah, they've basically done it all on their way to creating a multifaceted portfolio of both active and passive investments across Canada and the United States. In our wide-ranging conversation, Deanna speaks to both her personal experiences as well as the experiences of Darcy and herself while building their portfolio together. We discuss topics such as building a real estate investment portfolio while working travel and time-intensive full-time jobs, why they chose real estate investments based on lifestyle desires and limitations. This is super important for all real estate investors at whatever stage of the game they are playing. How her why has shifted over the years and embracing the hard work, overcoming self-doubt and overcoming challenges while growing a portfolio. One of the things that we talk about and dive a little bit deeper on as well is how having a full-time job helped the Boydens start a real estate investment portfolio without having to partner with others. People need to be able to qualify for mortgages in most cases on properties, unless you're just buying all cash. And this was really one of the things that turned out to be, as it were, a superpower for her and her husband, alongside other skills that they brought to the table that really allowed them to turbocharge the growth of their portfolio over the years. I was really happy that we were able to dive into and break down her strategic planning process. Deanna's got a lot of experience in building plans, whether it's a five-year plan, a one-year plan, etc. And she actually goes into a little bit more detail on how she builds those plans. What I really like about that and what we also discuss in the show is how having those plans really help to shape both macro and micro decisions when you're in the moment doing something and also the bigger picture so that you can decide, hey, does this fall in line with the plan that I made and is it going to help me get closer to achieving my goals or further away? Towards the end of the show, we talk about why the Boydens continue to invest in real estate and we also talk about Deanna's experience moving into some coaching and mentoring with some clients that she's been working with and how she's been really excited about the results that she's seen people getting by helping them build plans, make decisions and get clarity on what the next steps are for them to achieve their goals within real estate and within life. 
If you like the show and want to connect with Deanna further, you can find her online at www.deannaboyden.com. You can also find her on Instagram and Facebook simply at Deanna Boyden. That's D-E-A-N-N-A-B-O-Y-D-E-N. That's enough of an intro. Let's get into our conversation with one of my most favorite people in the real estate investing space, Deanna Boyden. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's good to uh, catch up with you. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, you can tell how formally informal I am, but it's whatever. It's my show, right? I got to do what I want. <laughs> That's why we do this, right? Exactly. I, I just told someone the other day, if we're not having fun doing what we're doing, why would we... I mean, why would we do this, right? You don't give up a, a nine to five job to go to work 24 seven as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and lose freedom over what you want to do on any given day. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I, I, that's a great point. I know we'll, I know we want to dive into that. I'm, I'm going to park it for the moment, but we will get back to that for now. I met you guys three years ago and Darcy's not here on, on the call. So we, I miss him, but you can say hi later. He will appreciate that. He's ordering windows today. Oh, what a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. That's um that's not fun money to spend, right? No, it's expensive. But yeah, we I was thinking about this. I was like, well, we met we met three years ago. It's been a while since we started. And I remember when I met you guys at um I think it was a rain event. In, I yeah, think that was the first time we had met. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. And yeah. And I was just like, whoa, you guys are, you guys are already rocking it. Uh, you had been investing for a little bit at that point and between now or between then and now, I just feel like you guys have done so much that I feel like the person you would have introduced yourself as back then versus what you would introduce yourself as now is like totally different. So I'm curious what you would, how you would introduce yourself now, given everything that's changed since we start to know each other. Wow, that is really an interesting question because um, it has changed along the way, right? I, I um, as you know, I stepped out of my full time job and and I had a moment where I got on an airplane and was chatting with a flight attendant and she said, "What do you do?" and I froze. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, I I, I do whatever I want." <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it has changed, but. When I introduce myself now, I I say uh, we have our own real estate investment company with interests across Canada and the U.S., uh, which is not where we were at, you know, three years ago, five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk to us, you know, eight years ago before we really decided to turn this into a business, we would have said, you know, we're we're a mom and dad who have jobs and happen to have a rental property. Right. Uh, We were landlords then. We became investors when we decided to turn this into a business. And I think becoming business owners, um, founders of a company, however you want to term it, changes your mindset. And and that is really important. I I don't know that that's for everyone who wants to get into real estate investing. But for me as a business person, that's where I'm sort of comfortable. Right. It was treating it as a business. We're going to do this properly, have people depending on us for their homes, uh, which we take quite seriously. Mm-hmm. And we, we should have the respect to treat it uh, 
with with the respect that you would treat any business that you're building, business and a brand even. Right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's important, I think, when, you know, we want to provide safe and clean housing for people. That's one of our goals. Um, you know, we always ask ourselves, would we live in this place? Could we live in this place? Um, and, you know, that becomes an important part of what you're doing. Uh, so you have to maintain that, some of the systems that we've built, things like that. But we couldn't have done if we didn't treat it like a business. So that's, uh, yeah, I would say that we're, we're you know, real, we're business owners who invest in real estate. Uh, we happen to love real estate. Um, we have other things going on as well, as you know. Um, you know, we're we're doing all sorts of things. I myself am doing, you know, some coaching. I'm doing some writing, um, building some courses. You know, there's there's a lot that comes with that. Yeah, totally. When you guys started out, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're both full time employed, and Darcy's. He was working for Air Canada, if yes. I'm correct, and and you were pretty high up in a company down in the states, if I recall. So it's not like you guys were had a lot of time on your hands, <laughs> right? And you had both no. pretty prominent roles. Can you kind of talk about what it was like to make the decision to start building your real estate up when you had those commitments on the go? Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know one thing I talk about is succeeding with one foot on the corporate ladder and one foot on the property ladder. And it is a balance. It requires a certain sort of, you know, skill set, but also attention to both of those, right? I never wanted to feel that I was ignoring one for the other. And I know that Darcy is the same. Um, You know, he's, he's been in his job for years and years and, and absolutely loves it and would never dream of leaving it. You know, some people get into this thinking they just want to leave their job. Um, for me, I was working out of Washington, D.C., which involved a lot of travel. Um, you know, I, I had staff all over the place. We had events all over the place. And so our investment style and the strategies sort of mirrored that. We made some decisions that we took on properties that were easier to, to manage, Um offered a lower risk profile. You know, we, we weren't ones to jump into buying a building that needed massive renovations that would need our time and attention. We would pick, you know, we picked, we loved townhouses to begin with. Um, they were a great asset class for us. We really liked the tenant profile. You know, we get a young couple in there knowing our ideal client was a young couple who would leave us to buy their first house. Right. So they, they really wanted that home together um, you know, they were just starting to, to decorate and, and amass some, you know, some nice furniture and, and things like that. Um, so that was really great for us because we didn't have to worry about the exterior of those buildings. Sure, we gave up a bit of cash flow on some of those. Maybe if we bought some suited houses or things that, you know, needed some improvements, we might have been able to to improve our returns. But that was one of those life worth versus net worth. We needed to be able to keep it fairly easy and simple and be able to run, you know, we jokingly say we can run the empire from our phones from wherever we are. So we've made some decisions along the way as well. Like we've never really been ones to uh, repair appliances. We just call a guy and give him the tenant's number and he sends new ones over, right? Um, and then we either have them take away the old one or we've told our tenants go ahead and, and sell it on 
Facebook marketplace and keep the money yourself for the inconvenience, you know. So you make those decisions where you might spend a little bit more money, but save your time. Because for us, uh, both working full-time careers with busy lives, you know, we have other stuff outside of real estate, volunteer commitments, family commitments. Uh, you know, it's not all just about the the financial ROI. It's about the time. Time is the one thing that's that's more precious to us than anything. And you really realize that when you have full-time jobs as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. Do you guys recall the reason why you wanted to start investing in real estate? Yeah, we do. And I just have a follow-up question on that as well is I've been really curious with this with different people that I've, you know, come to know over multiple years now is, is has the, has your reason why you're still investing in real estate changed over the course of years? You're going to love this. I mean, you know, one thing that's really great about real estate, I think is the flexibility it offers. Right. And, um, you know, the, the great Simon Giannini uh, taught us the expression of turning the dials, right? Uh, wonderful man, miss him. Um, but you can adjust as you go along, as your life changes, as your work changes, you can do different things and adjust your portfolio. So we, um, as I think you know this, but Darcy and I were, were uh, grew up in the same small town. We've been together since we were teenagers, So as teenagers living in that small town, Alberta, we sort of had this idea, and this was before Airbnb and VRBO, but we had this idea that we would own three or four properties in different areas that we wanted to spend time in, and we would move around to them and rent them out when we weren't there. And that has literally come full circle. Like, I don't even want to say how many years later, but um, that has really come full circle because we do have... Uh, vacation rentals, but we're literally just sort of setting up that we'll spend, you know, a portion of our time here, a portion of our time at our second home in in California, and a portion of our time in an international destination um, that we're just getting started on and and uh, really excited to do some fun stuff there with the local community and, and get involved and do some community support things that that we can do now with that flexibility. So that why on real estate, we're circling back to it. Now, in the meantime, during, you know, the 20 years that we've been investing, the, the, um, some of the goals, the why never really changed, but some of the goals, right? We, we had uh, two boys in university. We've had, um, you know, different people that we wanted to sort of help out with, with different things. And we were able to do those because of real estate, right? Um, things that we probably wouldn't have been able to do if we were simply had our careers. You know, I've probably never asked you this, but when you were doing a lot of this building, and I know you guys are still building in many ways, <laughs> still investing, still quite active. In fact, probably more active than maybe you've ever been, if if I could assume correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it feels, I mean, you know, we did a we did a five year growth plan. Now the business has stabilized, but you never really stop growing, mm-hmm. right? And we're actually working on our, our biggest deal ever right now, um, because the deals can get bigger as you go along, right? So the deals that you do get a little more complicated. They take longer. For sure. example, it's not simply buying one property that is a thirty to sixty day process. 
now, you know, as you, as you get into other things, the due diligence gets a little uh, more complicated. The timelines get longer and the climate today uh, with, with um, lending um, compliance, all of those issues, of course, has, has gotten a little more complicated as well. So it feels like we're as active. Uh, we're probably not working on the same number of projects. They're just bigger and more complex. Right. Yeah. The question that I had that was baked in there was the experience of building this thing up. It's, it's hard work, right? <laughs> and I'm really curious as to how you guys manage to approach the hard work that it took to go from just being a landlord with one property to at this stage, having a, a real estate investing business where you, where you really do look at yourselves as investors and business owners. It's a very, it's a long track. And I think <laughs> that sometimes it can be shown to be an easy path. And we can sit here and say at the end, Oh yeah, like it's really cool that you've got, Right. vacation properties in different areas. But behind the scenes, there's there's got to be so much that you guys did, so much that you've overcome to get there. And I, I think it's not, I think it's worthwhile to at least ask the question of like, you must have had some tough times along the way to get there, that this isn't, right. this isn't just, hey, we were super privileged and we were able to get this to this point without any work. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there have certainly been some some breaks along the way, um, but and I I humbly say this, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. I mean, things sort of you know fall into place, and and we put a lot of time and effort into getting ourselves educated, surrounding ourselves with people who had done or were doing what we wanted to do. Um, you know, you have to follow people who have blazed that path before you. And success leaves clues, right? We've we've worked with a lot of um, good coaches, a lot of good partners. But there are a lot of times as an investor where it comes down squarely to you. It might be on site, right? We just did a, a great little reno on a historic home uh, last fall. And, you know, there we were, 11 o'clock at night, trying to figure stuff out. You know, the two of us sore muscles and, and, you know, we had a great time doing it. Um, but you're, you're, it could be a lonely game as well, no matter how great you are at surrounding yourself with, with people. And then there's the, you know, the, um, as you're going along, so many things are outside of your control. So you might have, a uh, you know, a few sleepless nights over things that you have, have no control over. That might be, um, you know, getting inspections done, lending timelines. When you're in one deal, you can't be doing other things. You know, you can't get other deals going. You have to wait um, because your financing might depend on what's going on. So there's a lot of trepidation as you go. There's a lot of room for self-doubt as well. Um, and that mindset is really important. As you know, that's something that that um, I'm really passionate about in, in understanding and and overcoming um, because, you know, it can be, you have people looking at you saying you're nuts. Why do you, you know, why do you guys do this? Um, or thinking that, like you say, that you're, that you're privileged, not understanding that, you know, you spent your entire Sunday cleaning a dumpster full of stuff out of a property or walking in, finding out that a property is full of a dumpster full of stuff and hiring someone to do it. 
And, you know, if you're in Ontario, uh, having no recourse, uh, you know, this <laughs> little bit of recency on that one, if you can tell from my voice, uh, you know, we had a, a tenant move out um, of a property and literally, you know, a three quarter ton truck full of stuff that was left there. Um, the backyard was just a disaster. Um, and you just deal with it, right? You sort of, you know, have your moment of, of uh, whatever that emotion is, and then you just deal with it. Nobody's there with you cheering you on during those, those great moments. So you have to be really strong in understanding why you're doing it, what your plan is, and just get back to work. I mean, it's, it's like any, any task that you don't want to do. We have this, you know, we all have this in our, in our lives and our careers, the things that, uh, you know, you still have to go grocery shopping or, you know, clean, do your spring cleaning out in the yard or whatever it is, you know, the same way I always say the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Right? <laughs> and I'm reminded of that so often yep. as, as a landlord um, and an investor for sure. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of places that I'd like to go off of that. I think I'm going to go in the direction of you guys both having jobs and how that actually really helped you in the beginning to build a portfolio. Right, right. Can yeah. you speak a little bit further on that? Because I, I, I'm just noticing <laughs> my personal take is that a lot of people are trying to use real estate to get out of a job. I know I did. That's what I yeah. wanted to do. I was purely set on that and I, I made it happen. I knew going into that, though, that leaving the job would mean certain things, negative things around my ability to grow my portfolio as an individual, specifically when it comes down to qualifying for mortgages. So can you speak to your experience of how both being full-time employed allowed you guys to maybe move a little bit quicker than someone who is not employed or maybe is making a little bit less money and, and can't qualify for those mortgages. Cause it's a big piece of this game that if you're not doing it yourself, you need to have other people who can. And I'm, I'd be interested to know how that played into your guys's ability to grow in, in the span of time that you did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's a really important point, how important it is to be able to qualify for mortgages that's not the only way to succeed, right? I mean, there are people who have built incredible portfolios and businesses partnering with other people. Um, you know, we look at some other couples that, you know, that we look up to who partnered with other people who could qualify and that's how they built their portfolios. You know, there are uh, two, two that just blew us away. For us, that idea of, you know, we were we were intimidated by the thought of using other people's money in partnerships build. So it it was, it wasn't within our, our comfort level either. And so we were able to take, first of all, we had the, the skills and the mindset because of business, we were both business people. So I think for people who come into this, who have superpowers in other areas, you know, people who are nurses and have these great jobs, but don't sit on a computer and do strategic planning and marketing and, and cash flow analysis. Um, that's a different game for them. So we had that in our favor as well. And, and we don't take that for granted. So I think for some people to look at it, 
you know, remember those are learned skills. Anybody can learn them, but they don't come easy to everyone. Um, you know, I'm not great at accounting. Um, I, I don't enjoy uh, some, of, some of that stuff. Um, I happen to have a great business partner who is fantastic at that and, and enjoys it. So that works well. But um, having the ability to take what we already had as well, right? So we had some RSPs, we had some experience as landlords, we had a few building blocks, and we tried to capitalize on those. So figure out what your own superpower is and use that, I think is always my advice to people. You know, if, if you are a first time home buyer, use that. We just used, we knew business, we had a home we could leverage. We actually had, a, had um, we'd literally just finished. Um, we worked really hard to pay off a vacation home that we had. So we were able to leverage that. We got comfortable with that. We learned along the way um, about the power of leverage and bought more comfortable right? That's a big thing for people. I mean, we're, you know, our parents were of that generation where you paid off your mortgage and you had no debt. And so we, we overcame that so that we got comfortable with good debt, still uncomfortable with bad debt. I think that's an important learning as well. Um, and we did leverage that, the, uh, the horsepower, if you will, of having two solid jobs that income, that employment history. And then we knew if, if I left my job um, and that was, it was completely a choice. I, I loved my job. Um, I was spending a lot of time on, on airplanes and such and, and got to the point where I wanted to do a little bit more. I wanted some freedom around when I got on airplanes and who I was teaching, what I was teaching, that sort of thing. Uh, so we made a plan and it took me two years to get comfortable with that. And what I did is I lived on sort of the bare minimum that I thought real estate would give us. And I, it took me, you know, two years to get to that point where I was comfortable. Like, okay, this is good. In the meantime, I took the extra money that I was making and invested it in real estate <laughs> to help build up that career. But I think it's really important. And you'll often hear people say, you know, live off of your real estate income for a year before you quit your job. I think that is sage advice. Um, it just took me two years to get more comfortable with it. And I still, I maintain a consultancy. I have picked up, you know, a contracts and, and done some work in that area. Um, and that gave me a, a little bit of a, a foothold to stay involved in that. Also to give back where I could with that. You don't walk out of a job. I mean, I'm sure you found this with your job. You had so much knowledge in that area that sometimes it's a shame to not get to share that or use that. So I sit on a board where I can help with those connections and that knowledge, which to me was, was really important to be able to sort of give back. Uh, and I'm able to do that through that community. Um, so I do some women in tech type stuff and I work with an educational foundation that provides scholarships for people that are getting into cybersecurity. And that's been really fantastic to be able to stay in there because part of what can happen as well and, you know, retirees go through this, but that whole sort of, you know, you lose a, a bunch of people and a bunch of knowledge that you've gained. So it's important to figure out how to um, sort of transition that, bring what you want with you into your new role or life mm -hmm. as well. 
Yeah, that's wow. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. <laughs> I, I, I like, really means to go I, down. No, that no, that's fantastic. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed listening to that, and and you know, it it brings up a lot of things that were that are very relevant to my experience, and I'm sure to many people who who will hear this. Right? It's 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 one thing to have that picture in mind of you know leaving the job and and using real estate to get there. It's another thing to be on the other side of the corner and be like, great, now what? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and some people who are leaving real estate and you, by the way, you know, I got to sort of be witness to part of that journey. And I think you did such a great job and you as well, you weren't driven to leave your job. You were driven to move to something else. Mm-hmm. And I think that is ideal, right? And you were driven to move to something more and, and have the opportunity to to pursue other interests. I think for those of us who are in that situation, it's better than just, I hate my job. I need to get out of it. And I think that's where you see some people with within real estate, just create another job and move into another full-time job. And that, you know, they'd leave a nine to five job to become a 24 seven entrepreneur. So that can be uh, a challenge with balance with understanding where you want to go, who you want to be afterwards and what that looks like. You don't have a strong idea of what you want to do. And I had it as part of my, my plan. Uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to do in terms of volunteer time and how much time I wanted to spend on the business. We could spend 24 hours a day. That's not my goal. I am actually, even this year, I'm trying to cut the time back that I spend Um, So one way I'm doing that is we are laser focused on our plan and I'm limiting what I look at that's outside of that plan. So, you know, we have a bunch of deals coming across the desk and I've had to say, nope, I need to be offline, you know, doing this, whatever that may be. And I think it's important that people understand that you have to have a life outside of real estate as well. Mm -hmm. Could you maybe, this is a bit of a self-serving question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Could you take me through what it looks like, if possible, when you go about making these different plans? I've heard this in a couple of different things that you said so far. So you talked about, you know, a five-year growth plan for the real estate business, and now that it's it's stabilized, right? So we had that plan. We've had the the plan for before you left your job, and it's right. talking about how it took two years to get comfortable with the different how much income you needed to really enjoy the life that you wanted. Now we talk about a different plan here where it's, okay, what am I doing after I leave the job? What, I don't know, just for anybody who's listening there going, okay, it sounds like Deanna makes a lot of plans. How do you, how do you go about making a plan? Like what, what's in the plan that drives an excitement to actually go about doing it? Cause it's one thing to plan. It's another thing to actually wake up every day and make it happen. Right, right. Yeah. No, and, and it's funny because if you ask my husband, he's like, yeah, Deanna makes a lot of plans. <laughs> but <laughs> if you don't put it down on paper, right, you won't commit to it. So um, I think it's literally my my business background, right? You have to have a plan for the year. You have to know what your revenue goal is for the year. You have to know what your your market share goal is. You set those goals, write them down. And that becomes your plan. Now, I, if we want to get tactical, you know, our first five-year plan um, was a PowerPoint presentation of about eight slides. 
And um, I still I still have the copy of that original one. And I go back and refer to it. It's really quite interesting, right? So um, I start out with sort of what we had done. When we sat down to sort of type, like, what has our real estate history been from the first time that um, before we were married, Darcy bought a little a little um, single wide trailer, and that was the the first real estate investment, if you will, um, and then sold that and moved on. And so we listed all that because, you know, I, I referenced earlier, like success leaves clues, and and it's really easy to forget how much you have done. And so you will forget, like the first time we ever had a rental property, that was a big accomplishment, right? Like you have to get over the fact that you have all this debt, you're responsible for providing a safe home for a family to live in. Um, You know, whether you know that home as we did, it was, we were moving into another one. So we rented out our our house. Um, So putting those things down so you could refer back and go, wow, we've done a lot over the years. So you can celebrate your success. Then we did the, the letter of, you know, it's now five years from today. And this is what our life is. And I just did point form. This is what each of us is doing. This is where we live. This is how we feel. This is how we spend our days. Um, A lot of people accomplish that with like a a vision board. But as you've noticed, I'm pretty tactical. So for me, it was point forms where I can put a check mark by by every one of them. And it doesn't mean that there's not flexibility in this, right? Um, You know, Mm -hmm. like I said, we, we sort of consider... We have a revenue goal each year, right? How we get there might vary a little bit. Um, you know, we might decide to, to do an investment or like last year I said, we we um, bought a house not really knowing what we were going to do with it. We thought we might keep it as an Airbnb. We ended up selling it. Um, so, you know, that just brought us to our number a little different manner than we had anticipated. Um, so... First two pages, the letter was next. And then I did um, a five-year schedule. And we basically took uh, each property that we invested in would provide a certain amount of income per year. Um, So for for those who are actually trying to do this, we just use $10,000 a year. That's not cash flow. That's everything. That's your market appreciation. Because as you get more properties, you'll be able to refinance down the road. So it was just a bit of a target that we... And it's turned out to be an okay sort of peanut butter type number to help with planning. Um, And again, when you're, you know, in business, when you're forecasting, that's what you do. You know, use the data you have to get an estimate and put that into your plan. So we came up with this is what we need to do in year one, two, three, four, five. And then each of those years, we would sort of break down by quarters. Uh, (laughs) Again, another quarterly plan. But then you know what you have to do. And now that's serving us really well. Because as I said, if it's not, it's not on the plan and not required, then we should go do some other fun stuff. Um, you know, it, to, because you can become too pulled into this, um, spending too much time on that business or looking at things that aren't perhaps serving you as well. You know, 80-20 rule applies here too, like as, mm-hmm. as in everything else in life. Um, yeah, so that really, that plan at its simplest form, um, that's what it was about eight pages on a spreadsheet. And we reviewed that thing. When we first started, we would review it sort of weekly, monthly. And it's pretty good when you're having a discussion about should we take this next step? It's a lot easier to make decisions when you have both data and the plan. Then you know, yes, no, this, 
there's, it takes some of the emotion out of it. Um, and taking the emotion out removes the stress of it. So you just know, and you can make decisions faster and move forward to where you want to get to. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things worth highlighting is when you have that plan in place, or you've decided that this is what we want to work towards, it eliminates having to make decisions around whether or not this suits the plan. It's pretty, it can become, in my experience, it becomes very black and white because you say, you know, I'll just use a, I'll use a personal example because it's probably the easiest thing for me to do is, now I'm training to run a marathon right now, right? I've never done it before. Naturally speaking, I think I could go do it tomorrow, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to skip through the training process, right? Right. And so I've set markers along the way. I'm like, okay, I'm going to run the half. I'm going to run 25K. I'm going to run for two hours. Next goal is running 30K and seeing what that feels like to get there. But if my goal is to run the marathon, there's no way that I can get to that point and achieve the time goal that I want to get to, which is Mm -hmm. pretty ambitious, if I don't run consistently. Yes. Yeah. And you've provided yourself with all these smaller decisions to make along the way. Yes, exactly. Right. As with anything, it's better to look at it as a series of 5Ks than a marathon. Right. It's just easier to break that down. Do I run today? Yes. No. That's a lot easier than do I sign up for a marathon in a year? Mm -hmm. That's huge. Right. And that also gives you success along the way. Oh, I ran today. Awesome. Maybe tomorrow I'm going to run a little farther or, you know, make a bigger decision. I think that's really Mm -hmm. important part of this. There's a great Ted talk about that too. Um, You know, just sort of breaking it down, giving yourself decisions and celebration success Mm -hmm. along the way. Yeah. I, I just love the fact that it eliminates the, the question of whether or not (laughs) do I run, do I need to run today? Yes. The answer is yes. There's there's no <laughs> there's no right. negotiation around that. You can't say yes. I'm going to run the marathon, but I'm not going to go do training runs. They yes. they just don't exist, right? Yeah. You, and that's that's what I I would encourage you know everybody anybody who's listening to this who has a goal within real estate when you create the plan and you make the decisions to say yes, I'm going to go leave the job in six months or I'm going to have this growth plan in place and this is what it means for us, it eliminates all the, or it makes decisions easier as to like, does this fit the goal or does this not? Yeah. Does, I, it's, that is pivotal. I think Doug, because as you and I have both seen people who get into this, there's, there's a point where there's a challenge after about three properties, maybe five properties where the, it you transition into a different type of growth phase, mm-hmm. right? And and we talk about that in business. There are different sort of plateaus and, and growth phases based on the size of company. And I've been through a few of those. You know, I was fortunate to be part of growing a company to about $400 million. And so we went through three very distinct growth phases. And it's the same thing in real estate. So you hit that sort of that, that challenging area generally in that three to five years where, or three to five doors property, sorry, that it becomes different. And a lot of people stop there. 
or I hear a lot of people that are saying, yeah, we're, we're going to add another property, but it just goes on and on. If you're sitting looking at, you know, whether it's a, a whiteboard in front of you, a business plan in, in Excel, uh, you know, on a Monday.com sort of thing, you know, the next three months, I have to find one property or I have to find one investment or I have to find two partners. And here's a deadline. That's the other thing that's really important that I think a lot of people miss is that setting those markers, you know, the idea of smart goals really is important in this as well. If you want to drive your growth to get to a certain point by a certain time, there's nothing wrong with, with someone who wants to buy one or two rental properties and run those and have those for retirement. That's great. We're talking about specifically, you want to grow your your portfolio to a certain point to step out of a job or step into a life. And, and you get to pick that number. That might be, you know, for some people, it's $60,000 a year. For other people, it's private planes. And there's, there is something for everyone in real estate to get to, to either of those. But having those goals and timelines, laying them out, and then it's clear, right? I have to do this. Next three months, I have to find a partner. Mm-hmm. Okay, go do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't, then you know it's just, it's you, right? There's no, ex- <laughs> there's no ability to externalize the excuses, right? You put this on paper, you didn't do it. Okay, fine. Let's just yes. uh, accept the facts. Accountability, right? Um, and that's, you know, get some accountability partners, write mm-hmm. it down, make yourself accountable. Anyone who is, you know, whether it's a marathon, whether it's buying real estate, the same principles apply. Mm-hmm. Totally. Do you- get some support, get a, get a coach, get, you know, get one accountability partner. Again, a couple of little decisions that you make along the way that move you towards those goals. Mm-hmm. I, if it's okay with you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind actually reading the text you sent me yesterday. Cause we were talking about this with different, <laughs> different people. Um, you know, around the career, do I leave my job? You know, I see this person's going and doing multifamily. Well, I really like buying suited homes and they're feeling pressured to go do this. And you, you sent me a good message. It was this, this is good. No, so I, if it's okay, I'm going to read it. Um, and you can cut me off if, if you don't like it, but you just sent me this <laughs> I message. Trust you. I think it's worth, worth mentioning is that and I had said to you, not everybody wants to build a more massive portfolio. And I think it's important to remind people of that. We were just talking about what we wanted to share on the show here today. And you said, yes, there's a point where you have enough, whether in revenue or fulfillment from real estate investment. And that level varies for us all. And like you just said, for some, it's a few rental properties. For others, it's uh, you know a global adventure right? Planes and everything and and a full-time job for them. And that's what they're looking to do. And yeah, I I think that's just so critical to identify where real estate plays the role in your life because it's different for all of us. Yeah. We all are looking for different things out of it, right? But at the end of the day, it's about fulfillment um, and figuring out where you get that, what you get that from. Um, you know, we were able to hit these goals in real estate that now allow us to hit some goals outside of real estate, mm-hmm. which is really important to us. And that, you know, some of that was ensuring that our kids could go to the go to university abroad if they wanted, right? To do some traveling, to do some some charity work that we want to do. Um, that stuff 
matters to us. And that's a different life stage as well. For someone who's just starting out in their 20s, you know, they're, they need to be a little more conscious of cash flow, for example, on a deal, right? But they also have a longer term on growth in equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that can, can fluctuate. I think we've all just come through this year of transformation, as I call it. I think there were a ton of people who realized that, that revenue number that they set out probably isn't as high as they thought they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people have realized things about themselves that they perhaps wouldn't have had the opportunity to if we didn't have a bit of a pause in the world. And I think that's interesting. Um, you know, people are learning more about things like mindset, but perhaps they need a little less money or that pursuit of money becomes different for them. And, and I think really, to me, what it's about is fulfillment in your job, in your real estate, in your time with family, wherever that may be, you have to fill up your cup, right? That is what's most important. Um, you know, your, your mental health, your well-being all of that really matters because that drives how you interact with the world and how you interact with your children and raise them, how you are giving back whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and so that stuff really matters. Um, and I think this has been, for me, real estate has been a vehicle to give me that flexibility um, and to see, you know, for, for Darcy, um, you know, through COVID with job uncertainty, you've probably heard airlines uh, <laughs> have had a bit, of a, a bit of a fall. You know, it's, it's helped provide him with some peace of mind. Um, you know, he's, we've heard some very sad stories of people that don't have anything to fall back on, right, which um, is really sad. Um, and then you see, you know, younger people who perhaps can't get into their career, right? Um, our boys are, have just gotten out of university. They've both been really fortunate that they're both working, but some of their friends haven't been able to do that. And so building a side gig, a side hustle, a business, whatever you want to call it, I think is really important. And it's going to become more important as we move forward. Um, and also it allows you to spend some time in areas that you enjoy, right? Some of the things that, that we enjoy the most we're now able to, to um, turn into business opportunities, which that's the sweet spot, right? When you can take your knowledge and your time and your expertise and help someone else, um, you know, and then if that helps you pay the bills uh, in the face of adversity, or if you're a, a young person, I talked to a, a gal the other day who was 28, has a job she loves, no plans to leave it, but she also owns four condos downtown Toronto. Um, pretty fantastic. So she's able to use that money for helping her family um, and hopefully one day again, traveling. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a lot of flexibility and people have, people get to set their own bars. That's the other thing I think you and I were talking about. That's really important. That comes back to fulfillment. Don't set your bar on what somebody else is doing. Yeah, 100%. It's so easy to get caught up in the comparative game and it just totally robs you of your joy for what you really want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that can happen in your career. You know, that's, 
that's not just a um, real estate or entrepreneurial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just a great lesson, right? Yeah, definitely. You you segued very nicely for me, so I didn't have to, which was <laughs> talking about combining this knowledge and some of the time that you've gained from having some real estate investments that have you know generated enough income for you to reevaluate what it is that you wanted to do with some of this time and create the mm-hmm. flexibility to you know help others in this journey of real estate. And so I know that you had started doing a little bit of coaching and consulting as it were with other people who were looking to either grow and scale their real estate or just get started. How has that experience been for you? What have you found are the, the joys, the challenges, the, I don't know, nuances of helping people start? Cause you were there and you're a lot further along now. So what's it like kind of looking back and, and helping people get started? Yeah. Well, you know, I, in my, my day job, that was a big part of what I did was coaching um, instructors and career advising, um, and then working with um, women in tech organizations, a lot of career development and scholarships. So it's always been sort of a passion of mine. Um, I love telling people what they should do. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that really, you know, it hadn't really been on my radar until I started working with some really great coaches myself, right? I had some people who who really helped move the needle with some moments of clarity, things that were sort of, you know, running around in my brain um, that, you know, a coach can just help you put some, some fine points on those things. Uh, so I had, you know, I, I had to do a little bit of work around the, the business side of that. So that was one of the challenges. Um, and I think that's sort of interesting, the whole, you know, the, the, how you formalize actually your training, what certifications you may or may not want, what type of coaching, like what is it that you do? I had to get really crisp on how I wanted to do that. And it came down for me to mindset, money and making it happen the execution, right? So I want to take my business experience with real estate experience with my leadership and mindset. So for me, that was my niche. And the closer that you can get to a niche, the better, because the more valuable you will be to your clients. Um, I also knew that I wasn't interested in sort of creating this big online um, sort of coaching community and, and recorded stuff. I am doing some courses now that's just come organically. So that I would say for me was the biggest challenge was that sort of business side of it. Um, I naturally love to, to mentor people and, and do that a lot anyway. So it was sort of a challenge to, to say, okay, I'll, I'll build that out as a business. The greatest joy in it has been seeing the results with with people, um, you know, to see some people make some really big decisions, um, not because I decided it was right for them, but because I was able to help them get clarity to make that decision, right? As we talked about it, I mean, I'm pretty, I love to get to the point where decisions are black and white for me. It's, you know, as a business leader, that was my job. I, I was chief decision maker. Bring me the information. I will analyze it and, you know, make the best decisions so the team can go forward. And I think that's where people need some help is on, on putting those fine points on it. So for me to see the results of some of my clients, um, 
and the fact that um, I'm able to maintain very selective about who I coach. Um, mm-hmm. I don't take many clients. I'm not in it to build, uh, you know, a large coaching practice. So that has allowed me to be really selective on the the people that I coach and ensure that we're fully aligned and, and understand. I love nothing better than going to bed at night knowing I've made a difference in in one of those clients' lives. That's why I coach. I don't coach for the money. Um, In fact, I don't charge as much, but I've told people sort of, no, you know, I think, and I can help them find somebody who's better because we we should all have multiple coaches. I think, you know, you look at a football player, they have three or four different coaches. I I get that. Um, But not every coach is is the right one for you. So, Mm That's been really interesting, and it's led to other opportunities, right? I mean, this the um, having having a couple of, of courses. Um, one of the ones that, that I'm doing is is about empowering women who wouldn't normally make that decision to invest money, um, and helping them understand how they get to that point where they can make an informed decision about investing some money on their own. Um, and some women need to be empowered to do that for various reasons. And that's an important passion of mine. I have that skill, right? Um, so I, I am compelled to share that. I'm called to share that. And that uh, has been a delight. <laughs> mm-hmm. You said something there that I wanted to ask a follow-up question on. And that was you were the chief decision maker, as it were, in, the, in this previous role. And you said, bring me the information, I'll analyze it, and we'll make a decision. Yeah. Okay. You would agree that you're comfortable making big decisions. Yes? That would be fair to say. Why do you think so many people struggle in this area of life, of making decisions for themselves, the ability to take information analyze it, be objective, and then make a decision and move forward. Why is that so hard for so many people? I think that one comes down to our natural tendency is to see the bad consequences, all of the risk that could happen, all of the bad things. We have to force ourselves to see the good and understand that this could go horribly wrong, but this could go amazingly right. And if we make the right decision, if we execute properly, then it's probably going to go right. But it is just the way our brains are wired for so many people. So you can do things to overcome that, right? There is some some mindset work. You can, can get yourself more um, educated on the how to use that information. But I think the other thing is that you need to watch your sources of information, right? And so this one goes back to that typical story. We all, you know, you tell somebody you're a landlord and they say, oh, my uncle had a rental property and it went awful um, and he lost everything. You have to remember that there is that horrible story. There's one amazing story where the uncle bought the house and then the city annexed the land and he made millions of dollars off it. And then there's everything in between. I think that's really important. And one thing that I do to solve problems, or if I'm, if I'm, if I'm having a hard time noodling through something, 
I imagine the worst possible scenario and then I solve for it. Okay, what happens if we take on this project? We start building this, you know, six unit building. What's the absolute worst that can happen? Well, we could be a week before possession and it burns down. Okay, what would I do? What are the steps that I would do at that point? Once I have that sort of figured out in my brain, then I'm like, okay, now I know the works that can happen. Let's focus on how to make the best happen. So sometimes actually addressing that sort of elephant in the room can help you move forward. But I think just understanding that that our natural inclination, it's just human nature, is to remember the bad things and to work on that. And you can do that easily through mindset, through surrounding yourself with the right people, um, by watching what your inputs are, right? If you're watching negative media, uh, you know, you will form a negative mindset. If you go surround yourself with, you know, positive-minded people who have made it happen, that's why it's important to follow people who have done what you want to do. I think you'll you will learn a lot there. Mm-hmm. Sage, sage advice. Good answer. But you're right. It is a, a very big problem for a lot of people. And it is 100% something that they can overcome. Mm-hmm. I agree. Something yeah. I work on too. I'm not a, I think we all do, right? We, we all do that. And every once in a while, we'll, we'll have a day where, you know, it just comes up and, and uh, yeah. That's part of the part can't, of the game. Can't decide game white shirt or black shirt. That's a <laughs> that's a tough one this morning. Let me tell you. <laughs> and at the end of the day, what's the worst that can happen? Well, you wear the white shirt and you spill coffee on it right before you have to go on an important, you know, Zoom meeting. You know, like okay, what's the worst that can happen? No, no, let's go make the best happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, hey, I've I've run through my notes for what I wanted to chat with you about today, all but one, but I don't think it's really relevant to where we're at anymore. So I'm casting it aside. I've made the, I've made the decision. Great decision. I've made the decision. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's, it's important to uh, repel things that don't serve you. Right. Mm. Um, You know, there's a, I think marketing is about sort of repelling the people who aren't your, your audience. And that's sort of, so, I've had this vision this year of, um, you know, the Wonder Woman bracelets sort of blocking things that shouldn't be coming at me, right? And so I'm trying to get better at sort of casting aside the things that that don't serve us as well as others. Mm -hmm. It allows more room. You have to create space. Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy to get distracted with stuff that just doesn't fill your cup. Yes. No, it's all about filling our, our cup or in my case, the champagne flute. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. Deanna, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Just open, open floor here. Is there something that you'd like to share with the audience here? Things that you think. Open mic night on the, uh, on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll leave it open for you and then maybe we can do some, some contact info if you'd like, and, and we'll call it a show here, but floor is yours. Sure. Yeah, I think I would just, you know, encourage everyone to believe in themselves, right? You, you hear this from people who say, if, if, if we could do this, anyone can do this. But at the end of the day, you know, we were a couple of teenagers, a 
small prairie town <laughs> who who had this idea in our heads that we could could have you know three or four homes and and this lifestyle and that was it was all about the lifestyle at the beginning right this was before we even had mortgages or had to imagine paying bills so it's not about money it's about the freedom and fulfillment and if you get get yourself you know, square and aligned on what you want to have in your life. What do you want your days to consist of? Imagine what happens when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor. Um, you know, I, we don't wake up to an alarm at four o'clock anymore. We did that for a long time. We've worked night shifts. Um, you know, now we wake up in the morning to have our time together drinking coffee or, you know, if we're, if we're in California, we're out by the pool. We designed that. We decided that. So use your choices and your voices to design a life and go live it. And it's about execution. Break it down. Any dream is only five steps away. You just have to break down what those steps are and, and take them. Mm-hmm. And if I can help anyone do that, by all means, they can reach out um, I'm, you know, I'm on Facebook, Instagram at Deanna Boyden, um, or my website is DeannaBoyden.com. Um, I recently, I don't think I told you about this, Doug, but I was recently asked to start writing in a magazine. Yeah. And so I wrote this yeah. note about writing question mark. What's that? Yeah. So I was approached. This was one of those things where I was asked once to contribute to a book on, um, women in cybersecurity and, I had to say no. And I have lived with that regret. You know, I believe that we would, you know, when we leave this world, we will most likely regret the things we didn't do, not the things we did do. Um, And so I was given this opportunity and I thought, I can't write. Like, why are they asking me? Complete imposter syndrome moment. Um, And then I thought, no, I've learned. I have to say yes and then figure it out. (laughs) And so I said, yes. Um, so I'm, I'm writing, it's a new magazine called life quote journal and, um, I'm writing for it. And then I was asked to join their advisory board. And so that's another sort of component of this, right? Be open to opportunity. And sometimes opportunity arrives on a whisper. You don't know it's there. You don't know where this will, will come from. Um, so check that out um, as well. And I'll be writing about uh, women and prosperity. So to me, prosperity means finances and fulfillment. Right on. That's exciting. Congratulations. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. Yeah, that was a leap of faith. And I have to tell you, I, uh, man, I, 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 I agonized over, over (laughs) that. Um, But I've really enjoyed it. I think we're, you know, three or four articles in. I think the awesome. first first magazine is out, um, and uh, we're starting a, a clubhouse room. So another thing, like I would have never thought that, you know, I would be doing that. Um, but these things just sort of happen, and and I say yes to the ones I want to try. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Have fun with it. Spend the day how you want to spend it. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Deanna Boyden, thank you so much for joining me on the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thanks so much, Doug. Always a pleasure. Take care, everyone. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Just a couple of more things before you take off. If you want to learn more about revenue, you can check us out at revenue.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. On YouTube at Revenue with Real Estate, Facebook Revenue with Real Estate, or on Instagram at Revenue Canada. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, or anything that you want to share with us here at the show, please send us an email to info at revenue.com. Revenue with Real Estate, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to welcoming you to the Revenue with Real Estate community. 